Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, Midtown, Rockefeller Center, New York City, Newsstand Studios. Joined as usual with uh, John. No. Yep. How, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm right, fine. Yeah. You were not doing fine, though. You no, were, last were, week I was miserable. You were like laid out. Oh, yeah. I don't know what the hell I had. Fever, sore throat, maybe oh. strep. Um, yeah, just really, really miserable. Yeah. What's your favorite fever-related top 40 hit of the last 30, 40 years? Wait, say that? What? There's so many fever songs. Like, what's your favorite fever song? Well, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez and Jackie Molecules and Joe Hazen are also here. They should probably all weigh in. I'm sure they have opinions on this. Like, what song you'd like to listen to when you're... No, a fever-related song. Like, are you a hot-blooded? Check it and see. I got a fever uh, of 103. Oh. Are you a... Like, what kind of a fever song are you... I did have hmm. a fever of 102, so almost uh, there. Almost yeah. there. Almost. Not quite hot-blooded. That's a great tune, though. It is. Check it and see. Yeah, anyone else got a good fever? Like, uh, the thing is, like, the other songs I think of, like, that, f- like, fever, that's not, you know, that's not a, uh, a rock song. You know what I mean? What, no. Peg, the Peggy Lee right. song? No, uh, Peggy. I forget who sings it. Fever, you know, fever when you're, fever. Yeah, fever when you hold me tight, blah, blah, there's, blah. There's night fever. Oh, yeah. There's uh, Oh, my God, night fever. fever. Oh, no, nah, not cat scratch fever. Not cat, not cat scratch. Well, not, not. Counts. Yeah, counts. It, it counts, but that's not the one to go with. Toxoplasmosis? No, I don't choose that one. But it's not about toxoplasmosis, right? Or is that litter box fever? That's litter box fever. You don't get toxoplasmosis <laughs> from, from a scratch, right? You get it from, like, dipping your hand in the, in the cat litter, yeah? In the snow caps. Oh, but, um, yeah. Hey, are any of you are any of you guys cat people? No. Yeah, I am. I like cats. Do you have the automatic kitty litter box? Oh, I don't have a cat. <laughs> I, oh. I should have. I should have clarified. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 used, like I used to have cats, and they didn't have the automatic litter box. Someday, Booker, when he if he ever gets his own apartment, which he hopes to do someday, he wants to get a cat. But he's also like a nightmare with that sort of stuff. So I'm all about that automatic kitty litter box. You know what I mean? Yeah, it does seem cool. Our kids were born right at the diaper genie line. So there's a, you know the diaper genie line? Before and after the diaper genie. You guys know what the diaper genie is? You've heard of the diaper genie? No. Do they still have this thing, Joe? The diaper genie? They, no? No, I'm not getting anything from Joe on the diaper genie. So the diaper genie is like, you ever made sausage? Yeah. All right. Yes, they do. Yeah, he knows the diaper genie. Yeah, so when you make sausage, right, you put a certain amount of filling into the link and then you twist the link yeah now imagine that with poop with diapers so instead of shoving meat into a poop tube which is what sausage is you're stuffing poop it was not a meat tube it's a plastic tube so it you you throw in the dirty diaper and then you take the lid and you go shrimp 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 and you rotate it a couple of times and it twists off the the, uh, the dirty diaper like it's uh, uh like it's a sausage and then you like pull this like linkapoo out when you're done when the bag strip is done it's one long it's like poop. three feet long yeah yeah so you pull out this like sausage link of doo doo and then you just throw that whole thing away and your house doesn't smell like diaper but it you works have great it. we have one in the house right now we use it all the time there you go diaper mm-hmm. genie playtex yeah. genie yeah diaper genie diaper genie brought that's, to you by that's that's one of those things that like there was a before and after there was get these dang things out of the house right now right that's what i do with my so booker my son booker i've said this a million times but he is about 99 percent salmon and like one percent tuna fish Right. Or maybe like maybe like 70, 30 salmon and tuna fish. But he doesn't clean up after himself like at all. So like uh, we were away dropping Dax off at college because Dax went to Connecticut College. So now I'm a huge Connecticut College. uh, What's it called? Booster. Boost. Boosting. Connecticut College. (laughs) Love it. Although it's strange to say, do you guys know anything about New London food? It's the one place in Connecticut. It's one of the places in Connecticut where I don't really know anything about the food. I mean, there used to be that combat cuisine thing. Nastasi and I were so close to finding the old chef from combat cuisine and then, you know, getting him to do a pop-up thing with us. Remember that, Stas? I had found Not his lo- really. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, I found, on- found his location. He had that restaurant called Something-Something uh, something Combat Cuisine, which closed in, like, you know, the late 90s. And he was working at a lobster shack, I think in, like, Noank or something. We were going to get him to do an event so that we could have the combat cuisine pop-up but then pandemic happened. So, yeah. 
and I, I went as far as to call the lobster sh- shack where he works, and they're like, the season's not on enough yet. We can't, we, we can't get him in, but, oh, well. Oh, did my hot dog place a new London close? I don't know. There you, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so. The Mystic has great food, though. It's not that far. It's not that far, but you want to boost New London. I mean, Mystic, of course, has great stuff. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mystic has great stuff. That's the whole point of it. It's being a cute tourist town. Yeah. New London's New London. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, so anyway, so Booker covers our house in fish. So, like, whenever we leave for a couple of days and he's there in the house, you open the door and it's like, oh! It's like the, it's like the Fulton Fish Market used to be. It's like you walk in and... There's scales all over the uh, all over the you know dried up salmon scales all over everything and freaking oh boy trash full of salmon you know, um, whatever they call those like they're not styro anymore you know those plastic trays that that they sell fish in yeah uh, yeah those things salmon juice tuna tuna juice yum yeah you know what a couple of days of that smell real nice yeah real nice I bet yeah yeah. Uh, so Nastasia and I are going to do an event in Los Angeles, and I believe Monsieur Molecules will be present as well. Is this true? Are you going to be there? Are you going to be in LA? Are you going to come? Are you going to come to our event? Uh, we're doing it with With bells on. Yeah. Oh my God! Can you actually have bells on? Do you know I once actually wore bells to a place? (laughs) Sounds terrible. Uh, so you can go on the internet. It's a very bad quality copy because I took it off a VHS that was like 20 years old when I took it off so you know how VHS degrades horribly so like the sound especially also is horribly degraded and the the video was always degraded because it was VHS it started degraded it started with like three lines of video because it's VHS Betamax should have won but um, it's called What I'm Thinking About and it's me in an elf outfit like an infinite number of me marching from the horizon and then jumping into a wood chipper and then, like a band coming out and playing, me, 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 and then me just jumping into the wood chipper over and over and over again. Cartoon goo flying out of the wood chipper. Nineteen ninety five or something like this. I did it anyway. So when I made that outfit, I sewed that outfit out of felt, right? Green wool like heavy green wool felt. And I bought green suede, like uh, like real leather suede and veg tan leather. And I made the curly shoes, like the massively curly shoes. They were so curly and so long that when I would walk, they would like flop all the way out and then curl back up like sploink, 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 like, 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 a, like a frog's tongue, whomp, 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 the curly shoes. And I remember I went to a, a barbecue joint up in the Upper West Side. Again, this is the 90s. And they, they said something to me that made me say, if I wear this costume here, will you let me drink free all night? And they're like, yep. I'm like, okay. So I left and went back, got the costume. And I went <laughs> with bells on to the bar. And they were like, you really did it. I'm like, yep, give me my drinks. Because, you know, I didn't have any money. You know, grad student. Anyway. Uh so that's not what we were talking about. We we're talking about uh, Mr. Molecules coming to our event, which is going to be at Thunderbolt. So uh, Mike Capaferi, who's a huge fan of the Spinzall, and uh, brought to you by uh, him and Thunderbolt and Campari, right? So we're going to uh, do this event. What, what day is it, Nastasia? Do, do you remember? The 19th and 20th. All right. So because... Nastasia and I can't just do something normally. We have to be dummies, right? We had an idea. You want to tell them what it is, Nastasia? If you bring a self-carved Applehead doll, you get a Booker and Dax Spinzel hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You show up. Yeah. Now, by the way, wow. we have permission to take picture of you and us with it, right? But you are going to receive a limited edition designed by Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, Spinzall 2.0 Booker and Dax commemorative hat. You know what I mean? Plus, bragging. What? 
The hat only fits the Applehead dolls. <laughs> it, oh. Nastasia spent the last 24 oh, the hours. Or the doll? Nastasia spent the past 24 hours finding like a cafe press that had miniature hats, like a, like a custom doll hat. She, she didn't. Does. She didn't. She's going to get a normal okay. hat. <laughs> Nastasia doesn't like doing T-shirt things anymore because people are like, "Do you have this size? Do you have this size? Do you have this size?" So she's like, you, no, "One size fits all." No, they're like, "I don't like Gildan brand. I'm XXXXXL. You don't have that. Like, no." We do have. I forget. I forget who it is. One of our longtime listeners is a hater of the Gildan brand of shirt. Gildan. Yep. Yeah. I don't like them either. I mean, oh my god, you freaking like you folks, man! It's just a t-shirt. I mean, I, I don't like it either, man. I agree. Oh I agree my god! I like that yeah. t-shirt company down yeah. in North Carolina, um, Tannis uh, Tannis Roots or Tannis. I think it's called Tannis or something like that. They're awesome shirts. Okay, what about them? Is awesome. Gildan is great uh, after eight years of owning it. Mm. That's mm. right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Mm. All right, fancy people. They age well, but they're not, they're not good. I actually, okay, I, I have to say I do own some fancy T-shirts because I'm moving away. I wear always wear an undershirt 100% of the time. So when I'm wearing a print shirt, I don't care because I'm typically wearing that, you know, when I'm doing something. Uh, but, like, when I'm wearing my normal around shirt, I wear an undershirt. And I don't like wearing cotton undershirts because they, they get stinky. You know what I mean? Stinky. They, they're not the best. It's like I only wear wool socks, you know? We'll all stop. the time? Oh, yeah, I'm wearing them right now, 100% of oh, time. Wow. Winter, spring, summer, fall. All you got to do is wear wool. Uh, do, are, you, are you one of those people that wear, like, tank tops underneath your dress shirts and stuff like that? No, I wear normal, like— Just regular— And, yeah, my, and uh, my, uh, my wife is like, but the, the collar on your crew neck doesn't look very good. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, it's like, I don't, uh, under, I just, under dress shirts, too? hundred percent. Well, normally she's like makes me button them up. Then you know what I mean. So you can't see them. But the I sweat so much. Oh, flash it, flash floods. Yeah. So if I don't wear an undershirt, it's bad. You know what I mean. And I remember we had remember that we had an intern, Nastasia, who like for some reason like he had something against. And I have a little more sympathy for him now because I I deal with a lot of you know people with uh, sensory issues. You know what I mean. But like uh, he wouldn't wear an undershirt under his chest whites, and I was like, you sweat through instantly. And you're visible to everybody. And so, like, you know, that's not, like, a combination that is good. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to be in the back, it doesn't matter as much, I guess. You know what I mean? But if someone's going to be in front of the guest and they're sweating through their chef's whites, it's not the best look, I think. I don't know. So we were like, you remember that, Stas? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good old days. Good old days. All right, so uh, are we going to limit the number of? Ha- are we going to w- once we print them, we'll we'll tell you how many we've printed, right? But so it's not infinity. Not that infinity of you are going to come, but anyone that does come, how many? How many you want to do, Stas? What, what what's the number? What's the magic number? You think first? How many people? Oh, what do you think? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Ten? Five to ten? Oh, more than five. More ten. than five and less than twenty. Ten. Mm. 10, 10 to 15. I'm holding it down. What, what do you think, Molecules? You're going to want it. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear the hat. Although, let me ask you this. Are we getting snapbacks or are we getting like, are we getting like uh, the, the buckleback suckers? I, you know, we can't get fitted hats. I used, you know, whatever. I just bought a snapback to rep yeah. Connecticut we're gonna College. Get the, we're going to get the guild in of hats because we can't afford much. So like, like a, a, real, a real foamy mesh back snapback. Like trucker, yeah, there it is. Trucker hat. I'm into that though. I like those. I like those. Like real squidgy front. Like like, it's it's brand new, but the white still kind of faded because it was made in 1983. That kind of one, you know, that hat. <laughs> it's like it's like it's yeah. already been found at a thrift shop. It's like we somehow found a Booker and Dax spins all 2.0 hat at a thrift shop and bought it for you, like that kind of thing. It was a Find bunch of dead up. stock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, that should be our next company, Nastasia Deadstock. It was the parallel universe of cooking issues twenty years prior to cooking issues happening. Exactly, all this stuff's already happened once before. It's already happened. Anyway, uh, all right. So when we're at Thunderbolt, apparently we're going to do some version of Negronoloid because I think it's like an, it might be Negroni Week. Then is that what she said, Nastasia? I don't remember. Yeah, and, and we're going to eat at Cato. Yeah, shout out to Austin. Yeah, and uh, one of his bartenders just either won something or is up for something. 
but it just flashed by my feed. And I don't know how to get back to things. Are you guys like that? Once I see something on Instagram, if I don't stop it, I, I don't know how to get back to it. And also, like, I don't read stories fast enough for them to make sense for me. So, like, by the time I know what's happening, they're gone. Does this happen to you or is this just me? Yeah, it does happen to me. No, that happens to me, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they, get, they, they do that on purpose, right? I guess. Like, you're, they're not, it's not about, it's Instagram. It's not thinkagram, right? You're not supposed to be thinking about what's going on. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't know, you know, like they don't let you sit there and, uh, by the way, Dax's school, Connecticut College, New London, small, tiny liberal arts college, uh, their mascot, you ready for it? Did I say this already? Camels. Camels. Oh. Camels. Uh, uh, the look on your face is the look in my mind. It's an like joke, like interesting camel. choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know how many camels there are in New London? Zero. I mean, maybe there's a zoo. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe someone owns a. Yeah. You know, a, a llama is kin to a camel. Camel. It's a. It's a. It's a camelid. It's a. Yeah, it's that's a, a. That's just a bad choice of a mascot. I'm gonna say it. Okay, so it gets even dumber. You ready? Oh. So I asked, why is the camel? Now I'm all for it. I'm a camel booster. Go camels. I'm a camel for life now. Yep. Camel baby, camels. You know what I mean? It's a NESCAC school. You know what I mean? Anyway, so they were like uh, way back in the day. Uh, they had a coach, I forget for what, you know, team, and they didn't have a mascot yet, and they had just started, like, women and men's team. I forget whether they started as women or started as men. I forget what it was, right? College found in, like, 1911. And they were like, we need a mascot. And the coach was like, because they were starting to play other colleges, and literally the coach was like, I was just in Egypt. They have camels. I was like, that's your story? I was like, that's, that's it? That's, oh, man. That's your story. And you're sticking with it. It's not like, you know, just make some crap up, man. Like that, I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, they're not liars. Like they're not willing to just lie to make up a good story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like that's, you know, it's not as bad as, you know, you know what our high school mascot was? You ready for it? Now, remember, this is for football. This is like our fight mascot, right? Lacrosse, all that stuff. Quaker. (laughs) Quaker. Inherently peaceful person. We were the diplomats oh, like in college. It's such a horrible. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk. <laughs> right? It's so stupid. We were founded by Ben Franklin and John Marshall, so like it makes a little bit of sense, but it's still not very good. Dumb as hell. What were you, Joe? In high school, we were the paladins. What's a paladin again? Is that like a paladin's a, a, um, like a, a bard? No, yeah, kind of like riding on a horse with it holding the the staff, mm. the flag of the, mm. the the rain. I mean, like, College, like, I was a gator. Now that makes sense. They're you know mean and stupid. Like you want like you want to be afraid of whoever is coming at you in a game. You want you know mean and stupid and big teeth. Like that makes sense. You know what I mean? You know, I never went to a University of Florida football game. I bought the tickets and I sold them to and I made a fortune. That's good. Mm-hmm. I sold the parking spots in front of my in front of my apartment too. Really? Mm-hmm. So are you also, do you buy Taylor Swift tickets and then scalp them no, for a huge amount of money? No, I don't have time for that anymore. I mean. I do love the idea. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, yeah. I tried. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are the problem. I love that. I love it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. Mm. All right. So Dax was, uh, on, you know, when he was going up to college, he was like, I need to get a, a, a portable big speaker so I can play stuff. I'm like, Dax, one of your roommates is going to have a bigger portable speaker because they just will. Because he's got, you know, three other roommates. He didn't listen to me. I was right. I was, as it turns out, I was right. So he came in with, like, the, the mid-sized JBL portable speaker that everyone's getting now. And the other guy had, like, two sizes up. I was like, told you. Anyway, so, like, uh, but that's not the point. So he, 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 I guess, doesn't really follow. He follows. He's running track. He's on the track team, right? Huh. Uh, actually, cross-country. He's on the cross-country team. I don't know if he's going to run track. He's running cross-country because he likes cross-country more. Anyways, so... He, but he doesn't follow like baseball or any of this much. So, you know, obviously the Yankees suck hard now. Like they couldn't possibly suck more. Aren't they dead last right now? I have no idea. I think they're dead last. Okay. I heard it on NPR. This oh. shows you how much I know about sports. <laughs> so like, but Dax goes to buy these JBL and he's like, can you give me a student discount? And like the guy's like, no, but I can give you these Yankees tickets. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to be gone tomorrow. I can't go to the Yankees game. He's like, I don't know, sell them. So Dax thinks he's going to get all this money. You know how much a Yankees ticket was worth? Ten bucks. Ten bucks. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's like they're getting relegated to another league. Posed. It's like cheaper than a movie, you know? 
Wow, it's true. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. What is a movie now? Like Oof. 15 bucks? 1950. Yeah. 19. Jeez, on a stick, man. God. It's not right. Anyway. Uh, all right. So, uh, what else is going on? Uh, oh, so every year, stuff, late summer stuff happens, and I have to go do things, right? And when I ha- there's only one day a week where I can go buy the tomatoes of my dreams, right? And it's Saturday. And so anytime I have to do some crap, like drop off my son at school or go to, uh, you know, whatever, like, you know, go on vacation with my family, I miss the tomatoes. And whenever I do, Ron Benaghi, farmer Ron from Stokes Farms, which makes God's, you know, they grow God's tomato, like the Aunt Ruby, uh, you know, German green and the German stripe, right? Those are like... You know, God was like, I made two perfect tomatoes. Here they are, right? And anyway, so every time I'm like, oh, you know, I, I, he's like, you didn't have to drop your kid at school. You didn't have to go on vacation. You could have gotten tomatoes. This is on you. Like, I don't feel bad for you. I'm like, oh, man. He's like real hardcore. Anyway, yeah, he's not wrong. So the one week they came in that I knew I was going to be there, this is like two weeks ago, he, I, I text him. I'm like, do you have any Aunt Rubies? So first of all, I mean, if, if you've listened to this show at all, you know I love this tomato. It's a big, big green tomato that's green when it's ripe. However, it flushes red on the top. So the top of the tomato is going to start flushing kind of pinkish red. And as it gets very ripe, the red's going to start crawling around. It's still green, right? But you'll get like a little like pink blush that goes uh, uh, around it. Now, remember, the pinkness is going to start at, you know, not at the part that attaches to the plant. It's going to start at the blossom end, Right. Tomatoes always ripen from the blossom end, from the end that's not connected to the plant, up towards the plant, right? So what you want to do to see whether the tomato is going to – is like how – first of all, how much of a difference in color ripeness there is between the bottom of the – if you know what a tomato is supposed to look like once it's ripe because every tomato has a different look once it's ripe, right? So you have to know the variety, what it's supposed to look like when it's dead ripe. Then you look at the bottom and then you look at the top. And you can figure out kind of where in its ripeness scale it's going to be. Now, also, remember, because the tomatoes are uh, ripening in that direction, where sh- how should you store the tomato, John? How do you think you should store Right. Always store the – whatever you call where it attaches to the plant, that little belly button, store that down. Yep. Store it down that way. On a paper – if you're buying expensive tomatoes, if you're buying fancy tomatoes – I'm not going to—we could get Daniel Gritzer back on. I thought we were going to have him on. He never came on. I thought Daniel Gritzer was going to come on. I didn't hear about that. I thought we were going to have him on. We're going to have some arguments about some crap. We always love having Daniel Yeah, no, we should. Yeah, from Serious Eats. Anyway, you know how he's like, refrigerate the tomatoes because he ran a test? Yep. Don't. Buy—if you buy great tomatoes, I'm not talking about bullcrap tomatoes. I don't care what you do with your bullcrap tomatoes. I just don't care. Like, you know, garbage in, garbage out. It doesn't really matter, right? Like, if you start with filth, you're going to end with filth. Maybe it's slightly less filthy if it's in the, you know, like, if they're already insipid to begin with and they're not really changing because they showed up in a boxcar, like, then God help you anyhow. But uh, with these tomatoes, right, you put a paper towel out, right, and then you put it, you know, belly button down on the paper towel. If it starts running, it won't develop a lot of, like, evil stuff at the bottom. When you get it home, wash it because a lot of these tomatoes are going to have a lot of these tomatoes are going to have like cracks in them when the crack happens it's going to start fermenting there and you and even if it's not fully ripe you can ferment and lose some don't throw the tomato away right carve out that section but like irrigate it like you would a, a human wound like irrigate that section like you would a wound dry it and then if if your apartment or your house isn't too humid you can desiccate a little bit on that section and like stop the rot from going straight through your tomato while you're waiting for it to ripen up, right? Always buy some that are good for today, some that are good for tomorrow, and some that are good for the day after that. Exactly. Yeah, uh, because you can only buy them one day a week. Anyways, so the the rubies uh, start 100% green, dark green. They stay green, but they get blush on the bottom, pink. They can shoot all the way up kind of towards the top as it gets riper. I always like it with a little bit of blush. Farmer Ron gets super bent if you start squeezing his tomatoes, right? Most of them do, yeah. Makes yeah. sense. And do it. He's, he believes, incorrectly I'm going to say, right, that it doesn't matter how soft they are. 
this has not been my experience. So the way around this, don't – it's not a freaking avocado, people. Don't squeeze it. I squeeze every avocado. You squeeze avocados? Yeah. I don't care what people tell me yeah. to do. I can squeeze that avocado. You know what I mean? have to, yeah. Tomatoes are so yielding, unlike an avocado, that you can get a feel for how hard it is simply by holding it. You don't need to squeeze a tomato to feel how hard it is. You just don't. You just, you pick. So what you do is, in the guise of looking at the bottom, you take it and you pick it up. And as you pick it up, you can feel how soft the bottom is. And that's what you're feeling for. And then when you put it back... Hold the uh, the belly button end, and you can feel whether there's a huge delta in softness between the bottom and the top, and that'll give you an idea of how much time the tomato has before it's fully done. Anyway, Aunt, some years Aunt Ruby's are great, and they're always, they're almost always great. Some years they're transcendent, and some years they're fine. Most years they're transcendent. Some years they're just fine. The ones I had this year, I had them early, but they were already delicious. So I missed it for the past week and a half or so. I'm assuming they're still going to be good. Uh, so I love the other tomato that's really good. Although the one I had this year is not the best year for them. It's not the. It might be in a week or two. I don't know, but it wasn't the best year for German stripes. So some years the German stripes are actually the better tomato, and some years it's the Aunt Ruby's. But Almost every year, at least one of them is, like, amazing. And I used to do, like, mozzarella and the bread. So I do, you know, I grind the wheat and I make the bread. I used to do mozzarella. You know what I'm doing now instead of mozzarella? Because I can't go to Hoboken, you know, all the time or Kenilworth. Uh, Hoboken mozzarella is, like, Joe, you've done the Hoboken mozzarella, right? No, I never. Oh, my God. (laughs) Hoboken mozzarella. Jersey mozzarella. So there's like – it's like typified as Hoboken, right? But, you know, there's stuff in Kenilworth. I mean I'm sure there's other ones. Uh, I'm not – you know, I haven't been schooled in who's the best since Josh Ozersky died. So years ago. Like someone else needs to redo this. Someone needs yeah. to – someone needs to recheck out all the old haunts and see whose mozzarella reigns supreme. But it's a different style than we get here in New York. It's not ball-based. It's like – they're like these like loaves, these giant loaves. And then you like cut off like a hunk of this giant loaf and it's just like super milky and just like it really is delicious. And I don't – I've said this on the air before but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. I don't want to hear that it's not mozzarella and that whatever you had in Italy is the only true – fine. Just call them different cheeses. Just call them different cheeses because this stuff is objectively delicious, <laughs> okay? So it's like it's, – it's like – you know, it's not the original thing that, you know, it's not the original thing. So, so what? It's incredibly delicious. I love it. But anyway, but uh, I, I, I get just stracciatella now, you know, like the goop from inside yeah, the burrata. so good. Because it's good. And you know what What else, people? It's good the second day. Yeah. So, like, if you get the stracciatella, if, like, mozzarella to me, once you've refrigerated it, you've killed it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even like it when it's, like, soaking forever. I like it. It's made, they hand it to you, you know, when it's still a little bit warm, you take it home, it never goes in the refrigerator, you eat the hell out of it with the tomatoes and the bread, oil, when you get, oh my God, we need some good oil from our boy, our boy Oily, oil can Coleman, Nick Coleman, anyway, um, eat it right away and that's it, but stracciatella, you can, you can two day that, you yeah. can two day it, and it's a great, and it's cheap, stracciatella, do you use that at the restaurant ever? I have, yeah. People love it. Yeah, Spoon, oil, yeah. salt, some starch. Yeah, it's very good. Louis DiPaolo, where I buy it, he was like, you know, you could put it on pasta. I'm like, I don't need that. I mean, I'm sure it's great. That's how I did it, yeah. It's yeah. very good, but yeah, you know, it's uh, good sure. in so many applications, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, tomatoes, that, oil, salt, done. Yeah. That's dinner. That's family dinner. Anyway, uh, I have someone in my family who doesn't like tomatoes. I'm not going to call them out. Because it's just inappropriate. Yeah, can't publicly shame like that. Yeah, you can't can't tomato shame, right? No, can't do it. Here's the thing: I don't like melons, right? Except watermelon. You know this, right? I didn't. Okay. Yeah, like I don't like cantaloupe. I don't like honeydew. Oh, yeah. I don't like honeydew, but cantaloupe, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't like it. More for me, okay. Yeah, uh, but also the better it is, the less I like it. Whoa. Because. I don't like the flavor yeah. of the thing. So Fair. the more it tastes like it, yeah. the worse it is. So like airline cantaloupe, I can tolerate because it tastes like nothing. nothing yeah. It's just a cube. You know what I mean? Did you hear that, so um, that what we know as cantaloupe is actually not what cantaloupe is 
It's supposed to be. Which is probably 17th century still life paintings. They figured that out, right? Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Some, I mean, I love the art scholarship. Some type of Rembrandt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, I believe it was not that long ago. It was like 50, 60 years ago that the, because cantaloupe normally comes from, I guess it's, um, um, uh, you know, Pacific, you know, um, Indonesia. And um, that um, the the seed, I guess, was lost. So they they genetically or what they did something they cross blend something to look and resemble cantaloupe, um, but what we know as cantaloupe is actually not true cantaloupe. Oh, but like how long ago? Like in the fifty 1800s? years ago? No, fifty years ago. So you're saying in like oh, maybe the, it's the seventies? But so, so you're saying in the 1920s there was no such thing as cantaloupe. Fifty years ago, we're talking maybe like in the seventies, uh, late sixties, early seventies. I'm gonna have to ask my mom. Because my mom grew up, like, she loved, well, so she was born in 1950. And by the time I was a kid in 1971, she used to say when I was a toddler, I loved cantaloupe. So I don't know when it hit. Sometime between there, you're saying? I got to ask her whether she remembers this pre-cantaloupe era. But I wish they had not done that. Yeah, right. We call it, it's actually known as musk melon. Oh, yeah, musk melon. Well, I love that word. That's what I call is back when Nastasia used to like to talk about Elon Musk, I used to call him musk melon. But yeah, American cantaloupes are not real. Not real. Well, I mean, they're real. They are a thing. Well, at one time they were a thing, but no, they're no longer a thing because the actual, I believe it has to do with something to do with the nutritional facts that are part of the fruit. It was such an intense amount that. It's not the same anymore. But does anyone grow this other lope, this like uh, authentalope or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. I read an article a long time ago that also watermelon, like the original watermelon had almost no sugar in it. It like hmm. literally was just like a source of water, you know? Interesting. What's the genus on watermelon? Is it Peepo? Is it Peepo? I don't know. Let's see. look it up because I love that word. I forget what it pe- I think it's Peepo. Something like that. But like Citrullus uh, lanatus. Yeah. No. So lanatus, yeah. all I'm saying is one of my favorite words that's not really English, but is cucurbit. Oh, uh, yeah. It's such a good word. It man. is. And you, like it's hard because I love cucumbers so much, right? So like the cucurbits are like like all melons, right? All squashes, all pumpkins, and all cucumbers. Right? And those weird little, like, horned melon things that people try to convince you to buy in the supermarket that have no flavor. You know what I'm talking about? Those, like, yellow things? Anyway. Uh, so I can't believe that they're all kind of related because some of them I love so much and some of them I don't like at all. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Cucurbit. Uh, all right. Why are we talking about that? I brought up something. I was talking about cantaloupes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wait, you don't know if we can get this or a cantaloupe? I'm not sure. Hmm. Where did you say it was from? Southeast Asia? Yep. Hmm. Also, you know, you know what else uh, I like a lot from Southeast Asia? Chicken. Chicken's from Southeast Asia. The jungle fowl. It's true. Yeah. True, true, yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Initially bred. John knows this as what? Oh, yeah. Uh, basically entertainment. Yeah. Bring it on the ships for cockfighting. Yeah, fighting yeah. bird. Yeah. First a fighting bird and then an eating bird. Yeah. You so know? weird, yeah. It's kind of strange, right? Yeah. Yeah. Them's well, fighting birds. Yeah. It's saying here that not all uh, musk melons, well, so, you know, obviously we consider it to be cantaloupes to be musk melons, but not all musk melons are cantaloupes. The category of musk melon contains a whole lot of other melons, honeydews, American cucumbers. Um mm. Yeah, I have to read further on about this, but this is – I don't know why it's no longer here. Mm. All maybe, right. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll kill you. Yeah. I know it'll kill me. Um, all right. This is – oh, by the way. Uh, went to uh, Dingman's Ferry. You ever heard of Dingman's Ferry? It's in Pennsylvania. No. It's nice. It's right on the Delaware, right on the Delaware River. So it was uh, my sister-in-law, Miley's – who we need to get on the show. Miley Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, you know, who she used to, she started the Food Network magazine, but now she runs that entire fleet of magazines. Anyway, so if anyone's interested in like how to, 
I don't know if anyone's still trying to break into the magazine business, but if you're interested in it, like she is the number one person to talk to, like anywhere of all time. Like she is like the like a hunt, clearly the best at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? She started. I forget, like, she wasn't, like, I guess the editor-in-chief when they started it, but she also st- launched Rachel Ray's magazine, which was one of the biggest launches ever, and she launched the Food Network magazine, and it was, like, the biggest food magazine <clears throat> launch of all times. You know what I mean? And for some reason, I don't understand it, but Miley has always had this ability to just write. First of all, she's, like, incredibly quick. She doesn't write the stuff anymore, obviously, because she's, you know, way above that, but she's, like, incredibly quick at, like, figuring out what people are going to want to read for whatever the audience is. Like, she's a freaking genius of it. I had her punch up the original uh, stuff for the Museum of Food and Drink back in the day. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she's the best. we got to have her on. Anyway, so I'm in Dingman celebrating her birthday, and uh, they had a fire pit, right? So have you seen these fire pit conversions where they put a grill that swings over the fire pit? Okay. Now, they had it on flagstone, right? So... I pre I, I bought, you know, a bunch of ribeyes and I cut out uh like I do, I cut out the meat and you know how a ribeye has that line of cartilage? You know how like where the decal thing separates off, there's that line that sometimes has a little bit of cartilage or connective tissue and it always has silver skin in there and like some extra fat that's not really intramuscular. You know, can you guys picture what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So what I typically do is I will take a knife and I'll I'll de-decal it and then I'll remove all of that. And then anything that I don't like, connective tissue, and then I'll just meat glue it back into a, into like a, like perfect ribeye, right? So no matter where it came from in the rib, I can I have it connective tissue free, and every slice is going to eat well. They're not going to ever have your knife pull a string, you know, a, a, of connective tissue, and like n- never happens. So anyway, so I I, I low temp I meat glued it. Low temped it, chilled it down, and then brought it. And I was like, I'm just going to do the off on, off on, off on, reheat over like infinite flame. So I did that uh, with the, com- and I, I was like, I'm going to use the combustion engineering thing that Chris Young, who's eventually going to come on, I guess. And I stuck it and I was like, he said that it'll work over a fire pit. Now, when I cook with a fire pit people, I'm not like, two levels of flame and me, 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 me. No, I'm on and off. And on is like, like on, like big pieces of wood. And I wait for it to be like a uniform bed of infinity heat. And then I throw it on. And I, of course, I rendered out some of the fat. And so I poured like rendered beef fat on it so that it would immediately have drippings to go down in. So rendered beef fat, like, and the thermometer was fine. The meat was delicious. Oh, nice. Yeah, the thermometer was fine. And it was fundamentally in flame. Yeah. You know, like in a wood flint, in like, and it wasn't like, you know, a couple of coals. It was like we burnt down a bunch of wood yeah. and it was like, you know, a, a death. It was a death situation yeah. for most things. And the thermometer was fine. You know what I mean? So, and the meat was delicious, but here's the problem. Here's what I need to know how bad of a person I am. So, the way these things work, you know, for any of you that know my, the way I like to cook with, I'm an infinite heat. I love infinite heat, right? So like Tandor, I love infinite heat. Like on a cowboy grill, infinite heat. So it's because it's already cooked anyway, so I don't care. So you just go off and on until it's heated it up to, you know, up to body temp or so in the middle so that it's not cold because that's gross. So anyway, so what I do is, is when I'm done, I just swing the whole grate off of the, off of the grill, right? And when I did that, it dripped some grease on the flagstone. Yeah, John's got that flagstone. Yeah. Look. But then don't put that there. Like, I don't feel yeah. like that's my fault. I don't feel that's my fault. You see what I'm saying? It's like, if, well, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Know, they're like, here's the grill. Yeah. You know, I'm using it within its design specifications. I mean, thankfully, <coughs> I didn't get it so hot because I guarantee you no one's ever gotten this hot before. I, yeah. gar- I, I, I was a little worried that I was going to warp the hell out of the grate and that then I would get, because. On mine that I owned back when I had a place outside, instant, instant warp. Like, just, like, cherry that sucker up and, like, warp till the, yeah, warp. So, I didn't damage the grill itself. So, I'm going to say I'm okay. What do you think? Am I bad? Am I a bad person? I mean, for this. I don't know other problems I have. But for this reason, am I bad? No. I think you're in the clear. No? Yeah. Now, what do you, what do you guys think? Nastasia likes to host people. What do you think? Is this bad? I mean, I'm, I'm paying them, though, is the thing. 
I think if it's on the flagstone, you're okay. Yeah, like, like it stains the flagstone the though. It stains the flagstone a little bit. I know, but they, but they put it on the flagstone. So what are you supposed to do? Huh, you know what? Thank you, Stas. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> you know what we tried to do? We tried. We were like, maybe if we, if we move the grill over the stain, no one will know. But then you could see the circle where it used to be, and that's even worse. So we put it back. You know, freaking Airbnbs, man. Freaking Airbnbs. But anyway, it. Uh, I was happy to be cooking over an open flame again. Man, I miss having an open flame and just burning a bunch of wood. Uh, someday, or maybe, if you guys buy enough spin sauce. Oh, speaking of which, Nastasia, when's the, we, do we have a hard last date for when people can buy a spin generation 2.0? Uh, no, I don't think we have a hard date, but it is coming up soon, so. I mean, it's not, it's, yeah. it's around September 20, 20 something, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like, we Probably don't. Probably like when we're in. When we're in California? Yeah. Yeah. It is like it's when we say we don't have a hard date, it's like we're not sure whether it's like Monday the 25th or whether it's Friday the 20 whatever like but it, that's when the pre-sale ends. And uh I'll say this. We aren't making enough of them at this point. We're not making enough of them to have them in stock. So if you want one before May or June of next year, now is the time. And to sweeten the deal, there's a thing called engineering build, right? And what engineering build is, is as soon as they finish the tooling, they, they make some of these units that are fundamentally the finished unit, but, you know, they can do little tweaks here or there. So uh, Nastasia and Quinn and I had the idea. Quinn's sick again, by the way. That's why he's not here. We really hope to have him back next, next week. Um, we had this idea that we're going to do a contest. So our feeling is, is that anybody who ordered more than two or two or more units, right, is uh, someone who is buying it for a bar program. And if they're buying it for a bar program, they could use more. So we're going to do a raffle, right? And Quinn had this idea. I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but we're going to figure it out this week where, like, you know, you get more tickets in the raffle if you bought three. You get more tickets in the raffle if you bought four. But if you bought two, you're in this raffle and we're going to just gratis send you one of the engineering builds, different from the one that you bought because, um, you know, it can't be guaranteed because it's an engineering build. But it's going to be done soon. It's going to be done uh, – what's the month right after September? October. Yeah, it's going to be done by like early October and then we'll – you know, however long it takes to, to ship it and we'll, we'll ship it to you and we'll run that raffle uh, – like right when the sale closes, which is right around when we're at uh, Thunderbolt. So that's going to be your last opportunity to get your stuff in. If you already have ordered one and you want to be a part of the raffle, you can just, uh, I don't know, email Quinn or whatever, figure out how to add another one onto the onto the order. Is that any of that incorrect, Nastasia? No, that's right. Yeah. So like a lot of stuff. We have this like raffle. Maybe we can figure out something to do for the Patreon people also when we're out there. We have the Applehead hat promotion. You know, which I'm excited about. Remember, Nastasia, when you made me, when we were doing an event at uh, here at Rockefeller Center, and we went to a the thrift store on 13th Street and First Avenue, and someone had like a light. What's that? Chambray, a chambray shirt with a uh, a sheep on the back that was made of sheep's wool and like rainbows. And you made me wear it at an event, and you didn't wear anything yeah. weird, but you made me wear that, and I felt real dumb. But then yeah. Jean Georges showed up in a sailor boy outfit, but he looked amazing. Do you remember how amazing <laughs> Jean Georges looked in that sailor boy outfit? I was like, God damn, Jean Georges looks good yeah. in a sailor boy outfit. Yeah. He he can be a he's a dapper <laughs> dude. You know what I mean? I was like, here I am with this freaking chambray sheep on my back, which is three sizes too small, right? And, and of course, we have nothing on our table. Our tables always look terrible. Nastasia and I always have the worst-looking tables of, of anyone because we spend all the time making the product and none of the time gussing up our station. That was our MO, like, for years. You know what I mean? Which is stupid. 
Because if you gussy up your table, the average, you know, schmo doesn't really care how your product tastes, right? They care whether your station looks fancy, which kind of blows because that's not what I care about. Whatever. So he's, there he is looking fantastic in his Sailor Boy outfit, and I was depressed about it. I was super depressed about it. I see a lot of topless photos of John George on Raya. On what? Raya. Um, what's with, wait, was it, uh, <laughs> No way. What's Raya again? Yeah. Maybe Jack. Yeah. Jack, Jack is a, Jack's a fan. Jack, what's Raya? Uh, it's a it's a invite only dating app. Mm. Yeah. It's supposed to be the good one, but I can't say that it was very good when I was on it. Really, you couldn't find any yeah. uh, any any soulmatey people on it. Is it a soulmate thing or is it like a high end Tinder? High end Tinder. All right. So you're not trying to find anyone. Like you're just. It's like, what am I going to do tonight? Let's go mm-hmm. on. No, people are looking for people are looking for long term partners on there. Yeah, all right. We saw Nastasia. Saw um, can I say who you saw on there? Yeah, which one? <laughs> oh, how's this going to work? How, how are you guys going to encode, tell each other to figure out whether it's okay to talk about? No, it was Beck. She saw Beck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite Beck song? Beer can. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, beer can. Yeah, a lot of good ones. Devil's haircut. Anyway, uh, yeah. All right. Oh, get this. Uh, I had a. Uh, I mean, Nastasia hasn't spent a lot of time in the city. The three of us that are in the studio here have spent some time in the city this summer, and I've I felt like I didn't have an amazing like New York City summer moment until last week. You ready for it? Okay. I don't think I told you guys about this last week. Did I? Did I tell you about the guy, the drunk guy on the street? No. All right. So this is New York for me. This is what New York is like. So it's hot as hell, right? It's the middle of the day. It's like 12, 15, noon, right? I'm walking home with like the most groceries I could possibly walk home with. So like I have like three layers of bags up, up each arm, backpack on, like arms hitting my side and I'm going down the street. And unfortunately I'm on the side of the street with the sun on it. So I'm just baking, right? Baking. Okay. Coming down the street the other way on my side of the street is a guy drunk, day drunk out of his mind, swerving back and forth, like on the street, swerves back and forth, back and forth, right? Loudly singing and, you know, carrying, carrying on, middle of the day, he's wheeling in front of him a full-sized sewer drain snake, filthy as hell, with the drain snake not fully retracted into the barrel. Ooh. So this filth spring is like, <laughs> like flapping around, and he's passing me on the freaking sidewalk oh. in the heat. That's New York. Yeah. And I was like, the guy's going to hit me. What the guy is He's going to hit me. What the guy is So, like, I walk into traffic. Yeah. That's what you should do yeah. in that situation. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, almost get hit by a delivery truck because that is superior yeah. to getting hit with this Lower East Side sewer drain snake guy. Anyway, that's what New York is like. Man. Yeah. New York. Um, all right. So. Uh, questions. Saison Slayer. Now, does that mean that you slay, uh, that style of beer? I would think so. It means you drink a lot of them or you destroy them? Drink a lot. Mm. Are you a Saison person? I mean, I enjoy it every once in a while. It's not my hey, have you bought the, the Ghent mustard shipped yet? No. I think it's legit though. But you can only get the smallest ones, right? I don't know. Man. I think it's the smallest jar possible. You're like, once you start sending me the uh, the Tetris, send me some t- <laughs> fill up a Tetra, man. I know. Yeah. If you're gonna pay the shipping, I don't want to pay for the glass. Yeah. Tetra. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know how much mustard you would sell if you could buy oh, uh, commercial quantities of that stuff? Bananas amount. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy uh, wait, pr- can you pronounce that them? Because I can never pronounce it. It's like Tirantaine Vernon. Um. <laughs> all right. 
Saison Slayer writes, uh, I tried making the key pineapple pie as was discussed last week. All right. Remember, so the, the, the question I got, I forget who asked the question, was, have you ever done acid-adjusted juice and then uh, done the acid-adjusted juice and done that as the key lime juice in a key lime pie? And I said, no, but that sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah. So Saison Slayer did it. Nice. Right now, okay. Saison Slater had a problem. Ready? All right. I tried making key pineapple pie. I was discussed the other day, and the filling went super bitter once it was baked. I acid adjusted as Dave recently described on Instagram, including the succinic smart move, Saison. Uh, or do you go by Slayer? I can't remember any Slayer songs. It's probably fine. Can you remember any Slayer songs? I mean, like. Like a band like Poison, at least I remember every rose has its thorn. Yeah. That's all you need to remember. Anyway. Which was the Christian one that, that, that was always like, was that Striper? Anyway. Uh, all right. I asked adjusted as Dave recently described, uh, including Succinic, and used Trader Joe's quote-unquote cold-pressed pineapple juice. I don't know if you know this, Saison Slayer, but I also used their cold-pressed juice. I've been testing juices for uh, titratable acidity. I've been on a tight – you know what's really boring, John? Tradable acidity. Well, what's really boring is sitting, standing at home in front of your sink and doing a hundred manual titrations in a row. Yeah. It sucks. Sounds like you're doing that to yourself, though. I'm not doing it for me, man. I don't care. Uh. Doing it for (laughs) doing it for the for the people. Because like I've decided in the you know, like I'm not just gonna like theoretically take someone's bull crap from a piece of you know, from an internet paper because they're wildly all over the place. I'm gonna measure this stuff. So I measured Trader Joe's regular pineapple juice, I measured Trader Joe's cold press, I'm gonna get dull. I'm just measuring a bunch of juices. And there actually is quite a significant difference in the titratable acidity between the different uh, styles. But um, anyway, I use Trader Joe's cold-pressed pineapple juice. Any thoughts on why it might have gone bitter? I was planning on switching to a no-bake recipe to keep the raw flavor anyway, but the bitterness was totally unexpected. I know what happened. When you use cold-pressed pineapple juice, what is there in pineapples before they're cooked, people? Anyone? Anyone? What is deactivated in pineapple juice? Anyone? Anyone? What happens when you soak meat in pineapple juice? No one? Protease. Pineapple contains uh, bromelain, which is a uh, protease enzyme. And that's why pineapple, that's why uncooked raw pineapple juice is a tenderizer and why it makes your mouth feel messed up when you eat it, right? Because it's actually breaking down the proteins on the inside of your mouth. So I believe what's happening is is that you're mixing the uh, sweetened condensed milk, which has a concentrated protein base in it, with uh, uncooked pineapple juice. And it's breaking that stuff down, maybe accelerated during the initial parts of the baking, into bitter polypeptides, right? Because the protein breakdown products – and I've done this before, by the way. I've used uh, both uh, papain and bromelain to break down uh, gelatin and stocks to try to break and you always get bitter notes when you break down proteins severely uh unless you have a very specific enzyme that's why the enzyme correlase which was designed to break down gelatin without making bitter polypeptides it somehow self-regulated such that it it didn't break it down into these bitter tasting because because longer chain polypeptides are flavorless but the shorter chain ones can be bitter so i guarantee you this is what happens saison slayer if you used cooked pineapple juice or even I don't know how long you need to cook pineapple juice to get rid of the enzymes in it, but if you used uh, one that did not have enzymatic activity, you would not have had that problem. Yeah? So, uh, and especially if you're going to bake it, just either, if you want the cold press, then cook it before you uh, mix it in, and that, I'm not saying it's 100% certain it's going to solve your problem, but I'm like 95% sure that that's the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Um, Oh, uh, speaking of problems, so you know uh, an error I found in uh, in my book? Hmm. Another error I found in my book is that uh, when I was quoting, and this goes back to the titratable acidity stuff, so I just did like, I don't know, like 20-something vermouths and looked at the acidity level in a bunch of vermouths. And when I was writing the book... I didn't really have a way to test the uh, acidity in vermouth. And wine nerds write the 
they don't write titratable acidity. Often they write what's called total acidity, which is always a higher number. Titratable acidity is always a lower number than total acidity uh, just because of the way it's measured, right? Uh, so, you know, you have to choose one thing. I'm doing titratable acidity because I don't have an HPLC. But wine nerds, sometimes they'll do titratable, sometimes they do total acidity. Just be aware of which number they're specking. But that's something that wine people will tell you often. They'll tell you the residual sugar, in numbers, they'll tell you the titratable or the total acidity in numbers, but not vermouth people. And so what I had wrongly assumed is that the acidity in vermouth would be relatively similar to the acidity in the base wine that it's made from. Now, someone tell me why I was wrong. I don't know. No? Hmm? They fortify it. And the stuff they fortify it with doesn't have any acid in it. So unless they were starting with an extremely high acid uh, product, right, you're going to have a lower acidity uh, thing. So all my numbers were off for the acidity in vermouth-based drinks. So, you know, I took the acidity of these things to be somewhere like um, uh, like 0.5 or 0.6, and they're closer to like 0.3, 0.4. Right, so it's you know twenty five percent less, so appreciable. So anyway, so that's the kind of bullcrap that I am mind numbing myself with uh, these days. Speaking of wines, you want to you know, tell people that you're looking. Uh, yeah, if anyone in the New York City area is looking for a GM job, uh, Temperance is looking. Virgil is moving on to brighter and greener pastures, and we're all super happy for him. He's going to go work for Attaboy, the Atomix restaurant group. Uh, he's going to be the beverage director there, so it's absolutely great. But yeah, we need someone. So if you're interested, reach out to me on Instagram at uh, NihulJ, and I will get you in touch with all the right people. Yeah. 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 And it's a good job if you like this sort of stuff because it is like wine and food driven. So, you know, then they have they, – they're interested in having like a cool program. They have a really good buy the glass program. So, you know, um, but they're not like – you know, the, the stick is only slightly up the butt. You don't have – I'm kidding. You're, yeah, no, no. It's not super stuffy, which is really nice. And that yeah. translates into like the labor aspect things as well. Like if we're not worked as hard as other restaurants. Like it's, it's a good place. It's a healthy place. Right. But all, yeah. So, but if you want to be involved with some fun wine stuff, but not be all starched up. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. The funniest outfits ever from a a three-star Michelin restaurant was the, the, uh, sommelier at Le Pre Catalan. Oh. Uh, They had some sort of weird, they looked like some sort of like, they had some like cummerbund that like went, almost went over their jacket. It was the weirdest outfit. I was like, I kind of want one. You know what I mean? Of course. Because the guy would look so bizarre. I told yeah. you what I want. I'm never going to get. The, like a real Captain Hooks. I, I want someday. Yes, anyway. I know. Oh, one more thing before I finish the last stuff. So for those of you that know, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of like how much money the Anton Parr Corporation charges for uh, software unlocks on their stuff and whatnot. But whatever. The Easy Dens, which is the density meter that I've been using, it's $400, right? And I paid full boat for it, so I, you know, I paid for it, whatever. It would have saved my life when I started uh, Existing Conditions because when we bought Existing Conditions, we were given a whole, you know, we, part of buying the restaurant was we got their old stock. And a lot of that whiskey and stuff had been watered because they were filthy liars. And we had to throw it all away because we had no way to test it. If I had the Easy Dens now, I could test all the products to make sure that they were in good shape instead of just throwing them all out. And if you save, you know, four or five bottles of some of this stuff, you know, you're, you've paid for it already. Yeah. And it doesn't take long to test that sort of stuff because you're not testing like titratable acidity. I'll give you another example of how this is. I was testing a bottle of Galliano. Everyone loves Galliano, right? Galliano, delicious. Yeah. For like right. Harvey Wall. You can't make a Harvey Wallbanger Lloyd without it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's the thing. Goofy bottle. I like the goofy bottle. So I had a, a, a bottle of Galliano at my house, and I haven't used it in a while because it's been a while since Nastasi and I did the Italiano Stagliano uh, frozen drinks, which I like. And someone must have left the cap off on it and then screwed it back on later. Because when I tested it, get this. Uh, Galliano is something like 24 point something percent alcohol. Or high, right, or more. It's even 
I was down to 12% alcohol. I measured it with the Easy Dens. And so like all my numbers were coming off wrong until I realized, no, I'm measuring the evaporation because someone had left the cap on. So it one reinforced that leaving the cap off of liquor is in fact a terrible thing to do and that you can check your liquor with the Easy Dens. So if you have to check inventory for stuff like this, uh, if you're buying an inventory, it is a worthwhile investment. Uh, Dan Watson wants to know about opening a cocktail with highballs and seltzers, but unfortunately... I did have time to get to it. I still recommend the Big Mac carbonator and the premix tabs for seltzer water, but not for cocktails. Uh, I don't really have any recommendations for keg cocktails uh, at this point, although maybe someday I will. But yes, the, the Big Mac is the carbonator of choice, right? McCann, it carbonates. It still does. Mine have been running for over 20 years. And I think we're back next week and the week after that. I'm at Harvard. Uh, so we'll talk to you next week on Cooking Issues. 